All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Prophet is Dawn back here again. Uh, and I have another installment of Moments with Moa. And I want to welcome you all to Moa's Ark, where you know God dwells, Jesus reigns, the Holy Spirit guides, and we live in the agape. Amen. We live in the agape. I want to thank you for joining us once again, and I'm endeavoring to get us through this study on the spirit of rejection, the spirit of rejection. Uh, I did part one, which was uh, what I said I'm going to use as my overview, but I want to get into the study of this thing. And I want you all to get a clear understanding of what we're dealing with. Amen. I gave you all just a little checklist of what to um, consider when you think about this spirit and how it manifests itself, how it will manifest itself. I gave you a list of a few things that I wanted you all um, to just think through. And if I'm correct, that list was comparing yourself, your situation, your circumstances to others and feeling like you never measure up, feeling like you missed out on opportunities of this life and things are too late for you to recoup and um, never allowing any amount of encouragement to convince you of your value or your worth. And then I talked about uh, feeling rejected if you're not uh, in, in, in braced by or greeted or acknowledged by leadership or those that you put on that pedestal. Uh, The other thing was constantly seeking approval from others. And then you know how you have that emotional breakdown when you feel like you're not pleasing them. Uh, Being easily offended or embarrassed uh, from discipline or correction. Um, Always trying to prove yourself publicly and, and, and being all this and all that. Um, feeling like you're on the outside looking in all the time and thinking that you can do better than others if only given an opportunity and not humbling yourself to learn from those who can lead or to teach you and believing that nobody understands what you're going through. You know, those are some symptoms, some signs of uh, this thing that we're going to be talking about uh, today. And I just wanted to get in here and give you some some practical uh, understanding. And let's dig into the word and see, you know, how they dealt with it and some of the things that they went through. And I wanted to start with Ephesians uh, 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Let me see what this says here. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of your Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted and beloved. (laughs) My God, what the word of God is telling us here is that God blesses us 
that God chose us, that God adopted us, and that God accepts us. Now hear me today. Know that those of you who are under the sound of my voice, I don't know, I don't care where you started or where you ended. God says that we are accepted through Christ Jesus. No matter what the enemy tries to tell us, he tries to tell us the, the, the polar opposite of that. He wants us to feel like we're rejected, that we're unworthy, that we're unloved. He wants to steal our peace. He wants to destroy our knowledge of and our confidence in the good news of the gospel. And he does it through the spirit of rejection. That spirit of rejection, and I I forgot what we were talking about the other day when I was talking about some people who have been abused. You got to be very careful because the enemy will use that abuse as a tool to open up the door and the gate for strongholds. But the spirit of rejection will use others to inflict rejection on you if you allow them to. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people, there are some wicked people in this world. Or don't try to correct me. There are some people who are influenced by wicked spirits. If, if, if you that type, that you feel like people ain't wicked, but the spirits that are influencing them. They will reject you. Even in our childhood, they will reject you. People do the best they can with what they got. And some folks are broken. And I told y'all the, the saying that irks me to no end is hurt people, hurt people. Well, if you were hurt, you have more of a responsibility to make sure that you don't hurt others. But anyway, rejection is everywhere. It's, it's everywhere you go. There's a, a potential of you encountering rejection. But you have to not allow yourself to fall prey. You cannot fall prey to the spirit of rejection because think about it like this. Jesus suffered a lot of rejection. They they reject him. They flat out reject him. Anytime you got somebody that will shed their blood and give up their life for you, just just keep that in the forefront of your mind when you look at how ungrateful your kids are. When you think about how your husband is not responsive, to the things that you do. Jesus Jesus experienced a level of rejection that I'm telling you, we'll never get to that. Go in the workplace and, and give all of yourself. And these folks still reject you. Keep in the forefront of your mind what Jesus had to endure and the fact that he suffered rejection many times. And he, he, this is what he told his disciples regarding it. He said in Mark 8 and, and 31, he said, And he began to teach them 
that the Son of Man must suffer many times and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after the third day (laughs) rise again. In Luke 20 and 17, Jesus looked at them and said, The stone which the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He he went through rejection. He was rejected. So I don't want you to to feel like prophetess is coming and saying that you should have this superhuman ability to rise above the emotions or the feelings that you have with rejection. I'm telling you, no. Know that it's real. Acknowledge that it's real. I told you all one time before, I believe that God gave us emotions uh, and, and emotions are not good or bad now. But God gave us emotions as tools to be leveraged and used to help us understand what action needs to be taken. But as Christians, especially, we get rid of certain emotions because we feel like, oh, we shouldn't have them. No, baby, you need them emotions, anger and 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 depression or or you know feeling down or sad. Not depression, but sadness. It, those those are good. It's not good for you to dwell in them. It's not good for you to sit in there, to linger in them, to act out of them. But it's good for you to identify them, acknowledge them, and manage your way through them. We have many sources, many, many um, entry points of rejection that can come into our lives. A lot of us have dealt with abuse, sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, neglect. That's a form of abuse. Divorce. Some of us dealt with adoption, abandonment from our parents, from one of them or both of them, teasing as a child. That, that That's a form of rejection. Segregation. Losing a loved one, that's a form of rejection. Being fired, reprimanded, being hurt. Our first lady uh, at the ministry that I was in, she used to talk about, she, she actually did a series on rejection, which was good. And if I can find it, I'll add it to uh, a link. Uh, but it was something that she did a series in our church but she talked about rejection in the womb. Unwanted pregnancies, wrong gender. We got all this new stuff nowadays. We want to have these gender reveals. And folk, oh, I want a boy, I want a girl. That's, That's a form of rejection. And it takes place before the birth even occurs. One of the most powerful tools of the spirit of rejection outside of the thoughts that we think and the manipulation of our mind are our words. Our words. Words are so powerful. Words can hurt you beyond something that anything tangible or physical can do. The Bible tells us that death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. In the in the power of the tongue. That means what you say means something. In Proverbs 18 and 21, what you say means something. Another tool that that spirit of rejection uses are our actions, how we show people we reject them, how we look, how we how we give them the little stares, the dirty look, how we give them the silent treatment. We just talked about uh, passive aggressiveness, and I cannot believe I left out that silent treatment. I'm about to go listen to it again, but that that's a huge component. Abandonment, abandoning people, abandoning them through our disloyalty, impatience, neglect, how we abuse people. Those are tools that the that the enemy uses. It's hurtful. Listen, I know that the spirit of rejection, although it is a spiritual stronghold, it's a spiritual stronghold. It manifests itself in physical ways. It manifests itself in physical Okay. So I, I just got a, a little interruption. I'm going to have to ask my husband to get me um, something so that I can do these recordings outside of my cell phone because every time I get a call uh, you know it kind of disrupts my recording but my baby was calling me to tell me that my grandbaby Miss Kaylin is crawling praise the Lord she is crawling (laughs) so she had to show me the baby crawling and I thank God for it but anyway back to our study what I was saying was that uh, that spirit of offense will, it will show itself. It will manifest itself in a physical way. It'll manifest itself in a physical way. And, and oftentimes, you know, we go through all of these different types of emotions and we sit in our sadness and it leads to depression, you know, um, and that has adverse effects on our gut, on our, you know, our, our blood pressure, you know, our Uh, diabetes, all of this kind of stuff, cancer sets in, you know, so trust me when I tell you this is something to be dealt with. It's something to be dealt with. We know that it hurts. We know that it hurts. It it inflicts, inflicts pain. It inflicts pain, but we think we don't even have feeling. Amen. So it's something that we need to Uh, deal with and we need to deal with this spiritually practically and tangibly you know so that we can get beyond this thing you know a lot of y'all out there struggling with rejection and we need you we need you in the body we need you whole we need you complete so that your gifts and your anointing will you know break the yokes of others. We are not functioning at full capacity in the body of Christ. We are not. We are not. And the spirit of rejection is one of the main culprits for that state of being. I'm telling you the truth. So we got to deal with it. We got to deal with it. (laughs) All right. So 
the first thing I wanted to talk about as we get into the personality of rejection. And as I told you all, these spirits, these demons, these these demonic presence, they have personalities just like we do. They got personality traits just like we do. You know, <laughs> and the funny thing about them is these boogers got multiple personalities. You know, we talk about people having multiple personalities. You better, you better learn these strongholds and learn these demons and their personalities. But the first one I wanted to talk about, I touched on briefly uh, in the introduction, it, which is taking offense, being easily or hyper offended. When you are easily or hyper offended, that is a true sign, a true indicator that the spirit of offense is in operation. And the spirit of offense is is like the trunk to the root of rejection. This spirit is hypersensitive. It's extremely sensitive. And it'll pick apart the words and the intentions of others to get to a place of rejection and to get to a place of, of offense. That spirit will have you offended by comments that people make to you, the way that people treat you, and to have you offended by any and everything that occurs in your life. You're just walking around offended by everything. Offense leads to rejection. It leads to rejection. And when we allow ourselves to be offended by others, we leave ourselves open to the root of rejection. And that root of rejection is accompanied by the spirit of bitterness and unforgiveness. And we just walking around, just be a whole big ball of mess. disturbed and messed up in ourselves and not contributing to the body of Christ and the capacity by which we can. We got to come up. We're in 2020. That spirit of offense, it targets those who have already been rejected. It targets the ones who have already been rejected because it knows that those who have been rejected are more likely to become offended. Oftentimes, they get offended by things that people didn't even mean to offend you. It it wasn't nothing to it. They didn't mean it like that. We, We become conditioned to perceive offense everywhere we turn, every place and everywhere. And I can tell you, with me, especially in my early years when I was, you know, a lot younger, there was one area of my life that I realized I was easily offended because I suffered a level of rejection in my childhood that as I became an adult and as I grew up, when people touched or tapped into that area, boy, <laughs> when I tell you, mm, 
and you talk about being offended, bitter, unforgiving, all that. But when I was a when I was a child, my dad was always, always uh, heavy on education, heavy on on knowledge and 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 being smart and. You know, he really wanted his children to achieve academically. He he pressed that. And I'm so grateful that he did. But it was something that he used to do with us, with me and my siblings. Um, when we were younger, he would read the encyclopedia. We had, I don't know if y'all remember, the door-to-door encyclopedia Britannica salespeople used to come by. <laughs> and one year they came by and my dad brought up the whole... Um, you know, catalog. And so he would have sessions with us where we would sit down and read out of the encyclopedia. And, you know, it, he would do other books and things like that that he would read to us from. But but primarily it was that darn encyclopedia. And sometimes he would have us to write a summary of what we learned. And at that time, I you know, I was horrible writer, you know, my, my, I was, I was always good with comprehension when I, when I uh, grew up because my dad worked with me very, very young, you know, I'm reading and comprehending, making sure I understood the main points and, you know, understood logically the next steps and stuff like that. He would really work with me. So I was always good in comprehension, but I wasn't good in diction or writing or articulating my thoughts through words. Can you believe it? (laughs) So I wasn't a really good writer when I was younger. And so on this one occasion, I can remember we had we had all written, you know, our summaries and things like that. And when my dad got to mine, I mean, whatever I wrote, I can't even remember. Whatever I wrote, it must have pissed him off so bad because I I think I even got a whooping. <laughs> I think because he he just my father just could not understand stupid, you know. But anyway, uh, whatever I wrote, it it must have been incomprehensive or or you know he he just didn't understand how I got to that and I didn't understand you know how I was wrong but anyway it turned into this big thing and you know it stuck with me and because we are meaning making machines and when things occur in our lives uh, and there's a pattern and it recurred time and time again we adopt those things as our reality and we attach meaning with them especially if it's a negative occurrence you know my dad Got upset. He yelled. I'm, I, I'm almost certain I got a whooping, but I have to ask one of my siblings if they remember that uh, instance. But so that was a negative occurrence. So the thing that I attached to that was that okay, I'm not as smart as the other ones. I'm stupid. You know, I, I just can't. I can't get it together. And so imagine that happening over a series of years, time and time again, related to my academic experience. And eventually I derived to, hey, I must be stupid. You know, because my dad, he would always tell us, you got three strikes against you. You're black, you're a woman, and you're poor. And then he'd go on to say, you know, if you get a a C in the public schools, that's equivalent to getting an F. 
in, in, in a more affluent school. If you get an A in a public school, that's more equivalent to getting a C. So you just average. If you're doing, if you're excelling in a public school, you are simply average in these more affluent um, schools, which are more consistent with what you're going to deal with when you go out in this world. So he always tried to supplement our knowledge with additional activities, different things that he would do to try to stimulate our growth, you know, academically. So anyway, you know, we, we got some smart Courtney's and I say this all the time, probably some of the most brilliant minds, you know, I've ever met. And, and it was deliberate. My daddy was very deliberate and how, you know, he, he taught us and raised us. But I associated a negative connotation with that. And I aligned to <laughs> a reality that I wasn't as smart as other people. Definitely not as smart as my siblings. And more so, not as smart as my peers, you know, or those that I would be competing against in the world, you know, and beyond. So y'all get the the direction, right? So I acquired this insecurity in myself about my inability to to be intelligent. And so that spirit of offense attached itself to that rejection. For years I struggled and I I I didn't understand it the way that I do now, but for years I struggled in the area of people trying to undermine my intellect play me like a fool or treat me like I'm dumb or, you know, try to treat me as if I'm, I'm you know, subpar or, or don't measure up. Boy, <laughs> that's something I struggled with. But I allowed that offense to open the door to the spirit. I mean, that rejection to open the door to the spirit of offense which created a lot of problems in my life. A lot of issues because people would think I'm coming from left field. Like, where is she coming from with this? All I said was, the word was, you know, ministry versus minister. And what are you questioning me? I can read... (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, I was a mess. I was a mess. But that's what the spirit of offense will do to you when you have suffered through rejection. So I'm not going to come and tell you that you need to get a thicker skin or, or be less sensitive than you are. What I'm telling you is that you have to mature in this area. You have to first seek and gain and retain uh, deliverance. And you you just got to mature in the way that you deal with things. People will generally always say things that have the potential to hurt or to offend you. But it doesn't mean that you have to take offense. One of the key things that you have to learn how to do in your maturing is to forgive people immediately. Forgive them immediately, just right off the rip. Right off the rip. And be be empathetic. 
put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their shoes. Try to figure out what, how would I feel if I was, if I was on this side of offense? Would I want them to give me the benefit of the doubt? And even give me an opportunity to explain what I meant because I may not have meant to be offensive. And some people try to be offensive. Some people, listen, some folk will intentionally offend you, abuse you, reject you. I'm telling you the truth. But in that case, let God deal with them. Let God deal with them. You set your boundaries. You set your your standards. You let them know if it's a recurring or ongoing relationship, what you can tolerate and what you want. But don't you let offense set in because offense is the trunk to the root of rejection, which is associated with bitterness and unforgiveness. I'm telling you, we can't make it into heaven with that. We can't even live in the earth with that. We have all types of psychological, emotional issues because we just can't deal with the basics of what we need to deal with. Do not allow yourself to be offended with others. Don't let it take root. Don't you let that branch uh, produce fruit. Nip it at the bud. Nip it. As soon as you see yourself going in that direction, nip it. I'm telling you, I have to do it. I really do. I really do, especially in the workplace. (laughs) Because you can, oh boy. Mm. Got some people that think that they are the brightest stars and the most intellectual giants in the world. But functioning in an analyst role. Look, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Sometimes you just be wanting to set them straight. Like, who do you think you talking to? When you can barely read, write, or, you know, whatever. But you got to roll through attrition. Um, what you call it? Cronyism. <laughs> Let me stop. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. Start pacing yourself. Pace yourself. Don't let this demonic personality take root in your life. All right, moving on. Shame and guilt. Ooh, boy. Shame and guilt. Guilt is so destructive. It's it's so destructive because to us, as we repent, as we feel sorrowful, it don't matter what we do. Once that guilt set in, once that spirit of guilt sets in, it, it don't matter how many times we repent, how sorrowful we are. We just, we allow it to destroy us from the inside out. And not only that, the guilt 
that we experience puts the blame on us for the rejection that we receive from others. As if somehow it's our fault. As if their problem becomes our problem. I share with you the story of, you know, when I was younger and and how my dad reacted to me and how he responded. I felt bad. I felt really, really bad because he rejected me because I did not meet his expectations. I know now as a parent, you know, as somebody who done flipped off on my kids (laughs) and wanted to, you know, get myself um, uh, registered or take myself to the clinic. But anyway, now as an adult, I see things differently. He was doing the best he could with what he had. But at the same time, I felt guilty because I knew I wasn't meeting his expectations. So I felt like it was my fault that I was rejected by him. Not even considering that he rejected in me what he hated about himself. My God. And I'm not going to say hate it because that's a strong word, but he rejected in me the things that he didn't like about himself, which was being an underachiever, being mediocre. You know, those types of things. He just, he he couldn't stand it. My, My grandmother, his mom, my grandma Mary used to always say that me and my daddy butt, butt heads because... I was the most like him. (laughs) I was the most like him. But that's what guilt, that spirit of guilt would do to us. And you know, some children, children who have been molested, they feel guilty for being molested. The true thing about these spirits and the reason that they are allowed to linger so long in our lives is because they 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 are real slick now they are slick because see guilt will cause us to not forgive guilt will cause us to not forgive because we feel like we are responsible for or we deserve whatever bad things happen to us. So not only will it cause us to not forgive ourselves, but we won't even forgive others because why should I forgive somebody for something that they did to me that I deserve? (coughs) Something they did that I deserve. See how that works? See how that works? And then we let that spirit get, get in, that spirit of guilt. And then it causes us to, to, to uh, accept rejection. And then that spirit of offense comes to try to make us offended by any and everything. And then now we got bitterness and unforgiveness and, and offense and guilt and now shame. Shame wants us to keep things as a secret. Don't want us to talk about it. (laughs) My God, today has been that day. (laughs) I done had a couple of interruptions, but we going to get through this. I promise you that. Because it's about getting this out there. But what was I saying? Um, 
So I had I had one son that came in and, and was telling me goodbye, and then my other son just called me to tell me that he made it home uh, to our other place. But anyway, all those things are important, but I'm going to pick up where I left off. But what I was saying is that it's kind of like a domino effect, okay? We, we experience the rejection. It causes us to have those destructive thoughts of guilt, which discourages us from forgiving ourselves and others, allowing that spirit of offense to come and set, it, set in, and then bitterness and unforgiveness follow suit. And it brings us to a place of shame where we want to keep things secret. Those things that have happened to us that have been bad, we don't want nobody to ever know about it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to bury them deep on the inside of us and never discuss them. That spirit of of shame is very secretive. And its goal is to keep you locked into torment. Because see, what that spirit does is it knows that if you confess that thing, if you discuss that thing and what happened, it will allow your healing to come. But it wants you to be so um, engrossed in shame and guilt that you don't even you don't even share it with nobody. You don't tell nobody. You just deal with it. But you cannot deal with it. Dealing with it is what got you to this point. Constant rejection. Every area of your life, you're dealing with rejection. You're suffering from rejection. You don't know how to get rid of it because you're still dealing with shame of stuff that you had nothing to do with. And let's even say you did. Let's even say you did. Oh, oh. Things that we do (laughs) that are shameful. And we allow it to overwhelm our lives and our relationships with others. We reject ourselves from the fold. Shame and guilt are branches that spring from the root of rejection. And they will bind you to your past. It's like glue. It'll keep you there. It keeps you bound to that thing. And it keeps you from healing and moving on with your life. But God sent me here today to tell you that it ends now. The guilt, the shame, the offense, it ends today. It ends today. If you desire for it to end. And then self-pity. Self-pity always reminding us of our past. What happened to us. It's, it's backwards looking. It reminds us of what the person did to us or how horrible it was. Self-pity. It tries to project this into our future. It gives us a woe is me or or poor me attitude. Oh, this happened. The the um the one term I said I can't stand makes you the um the victim. 
we'll indulge of thoughts of how life is just so unfair. Stuff is just so unfair. It always happens. It always happens to me. We get focused on the failure and not the blessing of the process. Our confessions become negative and bad and and all of the bad things, all of the shortcomings, all of the things that will never work out for us. I told you all that in uh, November, at the end of November, I ended my contract (coughs) with my former employer. And at that time, when the contract was ended, I was happy to go. Because things had gotten so, you know, just crazy, toxic, all of that. But I wanted to do it on my terms. And I'm not going to get into that. I'll talk about that another time. But the reality is, I have to maintain a certain financial stability so that I can manage my household, provide for my family, you know, still live my life. And even though I had, you know, a little bit of something, something on the side, that I knew, well, hey, if I don't find nothing in December, I'm good. If I don't find nothing in January, I'm good. But by the end of January, come February, I better have something, you know, and we're trying to uh, launch the daycare center. And so I'm I'm working on that. That's one of my projects that I'm working on. But I said I need to have some income coming in because my reserve, while it's not going to dry up, it's going to be about dried up, (laughs) you know, come February. So I went on this interview and, and I have been doing interviews and, you know, by phone and I've been very selective on the ones that I would actually physically go to and do an interview because I'm like, look, I'm not going to waste your time, my time. You know, I'm, I'm very, I'm being very selective because when I go to wherever God lands me at, it is just simply to get revenue in to sustain the household and to maintain what we're going to do with the daycare center, you know, whatever. So I went on this interview and the first interview I got, I think they called me on a Wednesday, wanted to meet with me on a Thursday. I got a call on a Thursday for another interview that they wanted to meet me on a Friday. So I went for the Thursday interview and it went, oh my God, it was, it was wonderful. Except the company is, you know, kind of mid-sized and, you know, I, I kind of put that on my uh, list for maybe not in my future because I've had so many challenges, you know, trying to help companies grow when they're at a certain level of maturity. Uh, and, and so while the interview went well, I still was a little reserved. But when I got home, I, I probably was an hour out of the interview, I got a call from the HR manager asking me if I wouldn't mind interviewing with their uh, lead architect because that's who I would be reporting to. If I wouldn't mind coming and doing an interview with him. And, uh, you know, of course I accepted and I was very excited. I'm like, oh my God, you know, within an hour they wanted me to come back. So I knew 
that the guy that I interviewed with, he really was, and he intended to hire me, but he wanted to run it by his, his peer. So the second interview I had, it was in a location that I didn't want to travel to back and forth day to day, which by the way, the first interview, it would have been perfect because the place that I was interviewing with is right near or in, in my area where my old house was at, but it's closer to the boys' school. So it would have been perfect. I go, drop them off at school, go to work, get off work, pick them up, and we come back out this way. So that was perfect. But I went to the second interview, and oh my God, I met the lady, me and her clicked, and you know, the, the pay was excellent. (laughs) But the travel and the commute was something that I really didn't want. So I I did the second interview for the first job. And I really wasn't feeling this guy. And he had said a few more things that aligned with what I already believed about their organization. I'm thinking to myself, "Uh, not right for me. But if they give, if they make me the offer, whoever makes me the offer first, I'll take it. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm getting one of these two jobs. I done heard. I mean, you talk about really heard from the Lord. Okay. You going you gonna to know by this thing. <laughs> Rather God said that you going to know is you going to get. I'm still struggling with today. Because what wind up happening is I didn't get either of the jobs. I didn't get either one of them. And one of them I knew I had in the box. Didn't get neither one of them. And then both of one was a recruiter. The other was an HR manager. Neither one of them called me and said, well, you know, we decided to go back, go with such and such or anything like that. I had to reach back out to them. And so one of the HR manager for the first job, she said, well, you were of the top three. And they they made an offer to the first one and she accepted, but she had to turn it down because, you know, she has some family emergency, but they made the offer to the second one. The first one they liked because she had a better development background than I do. She was a developer, more technical, which I go on the door, I'm telling them, I'm not your tech person. The second person, uh, she had more of the... Um, Agile. She she must have had some certifications in Agile. And then, so I was third on the list. So she said, well, they made the second person an offer. I don't know if she accepted it, but if she didn't, I'll give you a call back and we can talk. No, we can't talk because if I had to call you, <laughs> we can't talk. So the, the other job, uh, the feedback I got was uh, she didn't receive any negative feedback on the interview, but they has someone who was more qualified because they were looking again for someone who was more technical in the Oracle space, which I don't have a lot of experience there, but I, I knew with that company, I said, well, <laughs> I would have been a great fit for them. Uh, you know, and, and, and like I said, I just clicked so well with the manager. Day one, I was okay. When I got the news, I was fine. I, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. It wasn't for me. What God has for me is for me. 
and I'm I'm ready to move on. Day two. <laughs> After I had to make an emergency payment on something that I wasn't looking to make, that's when the self-pity started started right there. Right there. I'm always in this situation. I'm sick of corporate America. I'm always, you know, undervalued. And, you know, how is it that they can see that because this person has the technical aptitude that they have a higher skill set, but they don't understand my intellectual intellect. I mean, my uh, emotional intellect and what I can bring to the team because I'm a motivator and all of this stuff. I'm going through it in my head. And somewhere, somehow, I had to pull back from that place of rejection. I felt rejected. I felt rejected no matter what they said. Gave me all these accolades. Oh, but you're perfect except. (laughs) And I think for a minute there, I reverted back to Don T. Don T. Bomber. That's what my daddy called me. T. Bomber. I was T. Bomber for a whole probably three or four days after. (laughs) crying and carrying on, feeling sorry for myself, you know, just all types of things until I had to shake it off and and get back up, okay? So that's what self-pity does to you. It makes you feel that woe is me, that, oh man, I'm going through this all over again. I'm stuck to my past. I'm stuck to it. I can't get beyond it. But God had to come and touch me quickly because I had to get back into space and position so that I can posture myself to be used by him to do what he has called me to do. I don't have days to waste. I don't have hours to waste. I don't have time to waste in self-pity. I just simply don't. There's too much work needed in the kingdom. I could have still been in that space. I could have still been in that place. You hear me? All right. So another attribute, another personality, another part of that spirit of rejection is your... All right, so this must be really, really good because I keep getting all these distractions and it's okay because I thank God that he has allowed me a platform that I can minister to his people from the comforts of my room because I'm, I'm sitting in my room right now and my babies today, now they went all day without calling me. Maybe I should have did it yet. <laughs> but today, I'm telling you, they've been under their mommy and I love them. I love them, love them, love them. So I thank God for my babies. I honor him that they can even uh, disrupt what I'm trying to do here uh, while I'm trying to do it because it, it really don't take away from anything. I just have to stop and get started again. You guys will barely know the difference except I'm telling you. <laughs> so anyway, but um, what were we talking about? We were talking about 
another manifestation of the personality of that spirit of rejection and how it manifests itself. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is that it causes us to feel rejection everywhere, any and everywhere, even in places and spaces where it was never intended. It sends us all of these scrambled mixed messages, you know, and mixed uh, intentions, you know, just stirring things up, making things uh, convoluted and, and just having it just crazy, a lot of static. That's what I call it a lot of times when, when stuff, just stuff, crazy, simple stuff just be happening and it makes no sense. And, and, and we talk about depression Another area that I want to get into uh, is, especially for the women, how we, how those spirits intensify during certain times of our month, times of the month. You know, when we're dealing with hormonal issues attached to those those uh, spiritual strongholds, they may intensify during certain times of the month. But anyway, uh, you know, a lot of times when we're dealing with the spirit of rejection, it allows us or it causes us to perceive stuff. And like I said earlier, different than way the way that it was intended. It makes us highly sensitive and we don't even know how to take criticism or constructive criticism. You know, it it causes us to... Uh, to identify the behaviors or the encounters with others as bad, as their intentions are bad. They're always after us, always out to get us. And it causes us to feel and and deal with conflict in a way that is not conducive to change or congruency causing us to have a more effective uh, relationship with people who are in our lives, especially in the workplace, in the workplace, being um, rejected everywhere. You can't deal with nobody. You, You become autoimmune to issues or sensitivities that you ought to have because you just become callous because you think everybody is out to get you. And that's not true. It leads us to depression and heaviness. That spirit, he has an express assignment to convince us that there's no way out. He wants us to give up. He wants us to be hopeless to fall into a cycle and a circle of despair. A lot of times, if you're not careful, that will lead to a spirit of suicide. I'm telling you what I know, not what I think. When you start having thoughts that God, just take me out of here. Just, I wish you would just take me out of, cancel those. Those spirits will come on you of death and suicide. And some folk even get homicidal. Oh, they all after me. That that paranoia demon. Everybody, everybody has a bad intention towards me. 
you better be careful. You better watch out. But when you see this personality coming, you better seek deliverance. You hear me? And do the follow-up. Because some of y'all get get delivered and don't realize you got to walk out that deliverance. (laughs) All right? It causes you to have an excessive need for love and attention. An unquenchable need so that no amount of love or attention for you is is enough. It's it's almost like an addiction. You're addicted to other people's approval. And it's no matter how much love or attention that you receive from them, you still feel rejected and unworthy and you seek more and more. And some of us will do anything and everything to get that approval, which will send us further down the path of destruction because now, now we're dealing with rejection and we're putting ourselves in compromising positions that don't align to and that are not congruent with the core value of who we are. People who don't want to see nobody upset with them. You so bent on not being rejected, you don't ever want to feel rejection. Listen, bending over backwards just to please people and get their approval, that is not godly. That is not godly. You're not called to that. People will reject you. Listen, hear me. People will segregate you. They'll put you down. They'll ostracize you. They they will make a point of letting you know how inferior you are. It's not about what people do. It's about what you receive from that and knowing the consequences of your actions and what you do. You cannot entertain everything. You just cannot do it. We as men and women of God, we cannot entertain the spirit of offense. I'm telling you, don't play with that devil. Don't play with that demon. Have some of you men want to blow your brains out and, and, and take your families with you. I'm telling you what I know. Bitterness and unforgiveness and, and, and suicidal thoughts, homicidal thoughts. Come on. It brings on a spirit of inferiority. And it gives us an inferiority complex. It makes us feel insecure. Continuously comparing yourself to others and uh, making yourself less than anyone else. It's inward. It's, it's, it's It's an inward thing. An introspective, interpersonal thing that we do to ourselves. We are overly shy and timid and fearful and and that uh, false humiliation or false humility. That's what I mean. 
And on the flip side of it, that spirit, it will manifest itself as prideful and haughty. I tell people a lot of times when you see people who are who are functioning in pride and haughtiness, that is a that's a a secret uh, uh, mass for inferiority and insecurity. I'm telling you the truth. And it's rooted in rejection. It'll cause us to be rebellious. Have you ever met a person that felt like, hey, they don't care nothing about me anyway. They don't love me anyway. So I'm a, I'm a rebel against the structure of the family. I'm a rebel against the, the integrity and the character of the body of Christ because they don't care nothing about me no way. It opens the door for rebellion and it leads to rebellion of all levels of authority. It causes us to desire our own self-will, our own independence, stubbornness, haughtiness, being unteachable, defiant, selfish, and prideful. Causes us to be fearful. We have a fear of man, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of abandonment. We always feeling doomed, anxious, anxiety. That stuff, I'm telling you, will wear on your immune system. It'll cause all types of ailments in your body. I'm telling you the truth. Running around here with allergies and asthma and all types of infirmities in your body because you got fear. And like me, like I was saying, you know, having dealt with that rejection at a young at a young age, I just wanted to be a high performer. That caused me a lot of issues in school. It caused me a lot of issues in my career because I was very rigid. I, I was the rule keeper, believe it or not. <laughs> I, was, I was the rule keeper. If we couldn't do it ABC, mm-mm. I'm not doing it. Trying to prove myself or my acceptance through performance and perfectionism. Being driven. So driven that we lose other areas that are pertinent in our lives. Always striving to be the best. I got to have the best grades. Got to be the best athlete. Got to look the best. (laughs) Our family got to be the best. A lot of people put on this persona. Are we the best? Because because you're dealing with, you're struggling with some form of rejection. Why do you feel a need to be better or, or, or to meet someone's expectations? 
because you never felt like you were good enough. My my perfection, you know, I, I felt like because of my upbringing and, you know, I, I tried to prove to my dad that I was, you know, just this standard of the person that he wanted to create. And so I worked very hard in my career to excel. And I'm telling you, I was a workaholic workaholic. I would put my everything into my job, into my work. And guess who suffered? My family, my husband, my children, because I was ever so present. You, you go trace my career path from where I started to where I am today. And the one thing I believe that people will always tell you is she was a hard worker. She was a hard worker. She would do, she would go above and beyond to get the job done. You asked my husband that same question. <laughs> ask my children. Now I'm better now. You know, they get more of me now. And I and I know my children understand that they got my bacon to their to the egg, not to their egg, but to the egg. <laughs> I gave my all, you know, for the babies, but I missed out on a lot because I was I was struggling with the spirit of rejection that caused me to feel that I had to prove my acceptance through excellence, performance, and perfectionism. Or perfectionism. Never feeling like I measured up unless I was perfect. I always had to overachieve. And I would say this all the time in my career. It's it's like, you know, being an African-American and a woman, I bought into that. That I had to go above and beyond. I could not be mediocre. I could not achieve at the same level as my other race counterpart. I had to go above and beyond. And when I started functioning at standard level, oh, they took notice. They took notice. I functioned at the same level as my peers, my white or Asian or Indian counterparts. Then Don, oh, something must be wrong with Don. Something must be going on with Don because she's not doing this, you know. But anyway. It causes self-rejection. And, and, and this is a very destructive branch that grows from the tree of rejection. That's self-rejection. It, 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 it partners with self-accusation and self-hatred. We <laughs> will never work hard will never work hard to disprove our own truths that we believe in our head. We just not created that way. So once we believe a lie, once a lie becomes the truth to us, we'll, we'll never work hard or exhaust ourselves in disproving what we have aligned to as true. We adopt the opinion that we're not worthy 
we'll believe the lie of the rejection that we endured, that we're not worthy because we associated meaning to that. And now it means because, hey, this person didn't uh, recognize my value or my worth. They didn't accept my value or my worth. So then I'm worthless. When we are dealing with self-rejection, we always want to be like somebody else. We want to be like somebody else. We don't want to be ourselves because we're not good enough. We want to be like somebody else. Now, be very careful because, see, this, this manifestation here, it opens the door to schizophrenia. It opens the door to schizophrenia. So you have to be careful. You have to be very careful with self-rejection. When you're rejecting yourself and you're trying to be like somebody else. We're not we're not well defined in our reality of who we are. And and I I I learned this as I work with, you know, clients that the core of the issue is self-actualization. They don't actually know who they are. It's not that I don't like who I am. It's not that I know who I am and I don't like that person. It's that you don't know who you are. You've never taken the time to define and get to know who you are, which is associated to the core value of who you are. Self-esteem is not our issue, it's self-worth. And our self-worth is tied to our value. When we begin to reject ourselves, it is because we don't understand our self-worth. We don't understand our core values. What that spirit of rejection will do to us is it will it will make us callous, hard, hardened. It'll build up walls around us to prevent us from being rejected and to feeling that pain and cause us to reject others. Because we don't want to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to love and to, you know, just allow people to come in. We isolate ourselves from others. And this is what causes the limited use of us in the kingdom of God. We cannot be used when we're struggling with rejection. You have to know what you're dealing with. You have to know the identity and the personality of the stronghold that you are dealing with. I'm telling you, this demon has had such a, 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 a um, grip 
on you and on your life because you didn't understand how to break it down in its simplest form and, and annihilate it. Annihilate it. It has no true power, it has no authority, and it has no rule over your life. And it is time for it to end now and end today. End now and end today. How? How do we get rid of this? How do we remove this? How do we uproot? How shall I say? Glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Eject and erect this demon that has had such a stronghold over our lives. First of all, you got to understand forgiveness. You have to to, um, give forgiveness. You have to give forgiveness, not just to those who have hurt you. You got to forgive them. Forgive those who have rejected you in your past, but also forgive yourself. Have more discernment so that you recognize the root that is working in these people. Resolving your heart even on this day that you will not carry rejection, either their rejection or your rejection any longer. Let it go. Release it. Break free. Break free from the people, from the past, through unconditional forgiveness. Unconditional. That means no conditions. They ain't got to do nothing to receive it. Forgive them. Now, I'm not saying love the sin. Accept the sin. Continue to allow the sin. What I'm saying is love the person. Then I want you to repent. Repent for accepting the rejection. Repent. Recognize and understand that you have allowed rejection in your life. Take accountability today. And it's just that simple. Repent of it and remove it. Repent of it and remove it. And I want you to resolve to stand firm in your acceptance by God. Every time rejection comes, rebuke it. Rebuke it when it comes to you. Refuse the thoughts of rejection. Refuse rejection by others in their actions and deeds or in their words or their actions. Refuse rejection. (laughs) If God be for you, who can be against you? If he made you beautifully and wonderfully in his image, Now replace the words and thoughts of rejection with the word of God. Get in your word. 
That's what he gave it to us for. He gave it to us as power, as a tool that we can use. Replace those words and those thoughts of rejection. Get in your word. And accept the love of God without reservation. Know that God loves you, that he has, and he always will love you. Look to God for your acceptance, not man. Look to God, not man, because man will continuously let you down. God will never let you down. Whether it's your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your grandma, your auntie, your uncle, your man, your woman, your child, your grandbaby. <laughs> Look to God for acceptance. And from this day forward, never take offense when people reject you. I know that's a that's that's not an easy feat. But never take offense. Establish your boundaries. Let people understand your needs for whatever relationship you have with them. But when they offend you, I mean, when they reject you, don't take offense. Take it to God. Forgive them immediately. And develop maturity so that you can have a better understanding of where the the rejection is coming from. So, Father God, we just thank you and, and I honor you today for this study. And I ask, Lord God, that you will touch everyone under the sound of my voice who is struggling with the root of rejection. Father God, we pray that you will bring forth deliverance, Lord God, from the root of rejection and all of its branches, every underling that is unseen to us. Father God, we repent and we renounce the root of rejection in our lives, in our family lives, Lord God, through our generations. And in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we break the covenant with the root of rejection and every underling seen and unseen. We ask for forgiveness that all curses be broken in the name of Jesus. We take authority over all of the spirits that have govern our lives that have tormented us and we break their power over our lives in Jesus name we cast out every spirit that is not like God and we order them to leave us now in the name of Jesus Father God I thank you now for the healing and the deliverance of those who are under the sound of my voice those who are associated with those who are listening today help us Lord God to stay free from the spirit from this stronghold and all of his underlings and now Father we pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit fill us Lord God take us to the place 
of all the spirits that have been cast out and fill us completely with your Holy Spirit that they shall never return again. Father God, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, for we know that you are a God ah, who is faithful to hear our prayers and to answer them each and every one. And we thank and praise you that the spirit, this root of rejection is no longer prominent in our lives. We tear down this demon at the root. And we command every spirit of offense, sensitivity, excessive need for love, approval, attention, and acceptance, self-bitterness, self-unforgiveness, self-indignation, self-revenge, self-hatred, self-anger, self-rage, self-murder, self-accusation, self-condemnation, self-rejection, doubt and unbelief, double-mindedness, paranoia, fear, Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of deliverance, fear of not being delivered, fear of losing deliverance, abandonment, rejection of others, rebellion, control, manipulation, matriarchal control, addictions, compulsions, low self-esteem, shyness, insecurity, timidness, isolation, inferiority, depression, oppression, heaviness, hopelessness, suicide, death, insomnia, discouragement, guilt, condemnation, shame, embarrassment, unworthiness, defensiveness, performance, (laughs) striving, perfectionism, comparison, selfish, envy, jealousy, muttering, complaining, unthankfulness, self-pity, pride, vanity, arrogance, false responsibility, false burden-bearing, false compassion, inordinate affection for animals, lust, fantasy, lust, headaches, broken heart, deep hurt, and wounding of spirit, sadness, grief, Sorrow, loneliness, slavery, bondage, vagabond, uh, subordination, racism, witchcraft, confusion, forgetfulness, scrambling, torment, spirit of infirmity, spirits of death and destruction, break generational curses, cancel programming. We condemn you now in the name of Jesus. Uh, We render you null and void. Uh, We command you to break your hold uh, and to loose your stance. Uh, We command under the blood of Jesus, uh, by the name of Jesus, uh, that you have no power and no authority. And it is done in Jesus' name. Uh, We command now that no retaliatory spirits uh, shall come against this prayer. Father, we thank you in Jesus' holy name. And we seal this prayer through our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. All right, everybody. I enjoyed this session. I'm going to come back because I didn't get to everything, but I got another one. I'm going to make a part three. All right. Love you all. Have a great day. Bye-bye.